we're going to get started. Today we're starting a new book, the book of Titus. And there are lots of similarities, and there's one particular contrast that I want to bring up before we go anywhere. And that is, Titus was a real trooper. He didn't seem to need any encouragement. He didn't see, and I'm just taking this from those two different epistles that are up there. He was like a bulldog. In fact, there's only one time where Paul says something that's similar to Timothy in terms of personalities, and it's the very last verse in chapter 2 where he says, don't let anybody despise you. And he was putting it in the context of, if I'm rebuking you, Make sure it goes as opposed to, you know, when I'm disciplining one, one of my kids, if they're not repentant, that's a, that's a despise. So if you're going to rebe- rebuke, go all the way. And that was, Tim, that was uh, Titus. He always went all the way. So we're going to start with a Bible trivia question. Are you ready? Why would Paul have more than the standard average to be left-handed? Anybody want to take a shot at that? Why would Paul possibly be left-handed? What tribe of Israel was he from? Benjamin, that's exactly right. Throughout the Bible, and if you find an exception, please tell me. Anytime I hear somebody from Israel that's left-handed, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. When you look at the uh, theme of Titus versus Timothy, Timothy, the first order of business was doctrine, and then the order of the church. And as we were studying Timothy, remember we always had the phrase, we're going to teach how how to do church. Titus was the exact opposite. He needed to put things into order and doctrine I don't want to set it aside, but in order, in concert with doctrine. And here's the key reason. This is verse 12. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. So if you can imagine, it was 160 miles by 35 miles and an island. If If you can imagine that the characteristics, this testimony is true, the characteristics of that population is they're liars, they're beasts, and they're lazy gluttons. Would guys have a monopoly on those words? No. I mean, ladies can be liars. Now, beasts, that's an interesting word. I looked up that word beasts, and... uh, the book of Revelation uses that word, you know, bunches of times next week. But there are just a few times other than the book of Revelation where that word beast is there. So when you say a person is a beast, what comes to your mind? Well, we have the English word bestiality, and we're not going to go there. I don't think that's what, what was being talked about. Let's say rude, uh, ill-mannered, barbaric, just uncomely, untoward, and then lazy gluttons. Now, what does that mean? There was a guy on the radio talk show. He used to talk about Boobus America. 
And Boobus America was somebody, if you always, if you had a six, can, a, a six pack of beer and there was a, sport, a Philadelphia sports team on television, he was happy. Okay, so whatever, whatever you want to take that to, lazy gluttons. That's the kind of environment Titus was being sent into. So you can understand why he wanted to bring order to the church before they had to worry about doctrine. Key verses. Verse number one. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. Now, the start of the church at Crete is interesting because, it, and, and we'll see this in more detail as we go on, it's first mentioned in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, where the Bible says that the Cretes and the Arabs and like 15 other languages heard what Peter was saying in their own language. Now, the reason those Cretes came to Jerusalem was that Pentecost was one of those feasts that said you need to go to Jerusalem. And if these people got saved, there were a lot of people on the day of Pentecost that got saved and went back to Crete, there becomes the beginning of the church. And so Paul is saying, you know, what's left over from that situation, I want you to put back into order. Now, it was more than just... Um, Greeks by, I'm sorry, more than just Jews by heritage and by race, it says there were proselytes and Jews from Crete and from Arabia. So uh, a mixed background, came to Jerusalem, heard Peter, got saved, went back. We're also going to take a, a very quick look at the um, three missionary journeys of Paul, and he never got to Crete. And yet he says, this is why I left you in Crete. So that's going to be an interesting conversation as well. And I left you to appoint elders. Now, the reason that they, those elders had to be appointed was, well, a couple of reasons. First of all, if they're babes in Christ, how can the church help figure out who should be an appropriate elder? I mean, he's, he's a stormtrooper. He's, he's creating a beachhead. Or, or he's, uh, Paul, uh, Paul and, and Titus got to the beach, and then Paul's saying, okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm doing something different. That's the kind of person Titus was, and we're going to see the kinds of missions that Paul sent him on. Another reason is the staying power, and this verse comes from Peter. Peter is saying, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Here, Paul is departing. At some point, Titus is going to depart. And so, who's going to take care of the people? Those elders. And so, he sent them to put them into order and to appoint elders, give that church staying power. Second key verse but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Ephesians chapter 2 says, By grace are we saved through faith, and not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, but we're created unto good works. I live a certain lifestyle in order to become, and not to become saved, not to maintain salvation, but there's that verse from 2 Corinthians. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. 
The definition of the undercover Christian is the one who shows his definition, his, his true identity only under pressure. An undercover Christian. Paul is telling Titus, teach those people so that the folks on Crete that are not saved can see Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Let the people see the good works and give God the glory. So that's the second key verse. And the third key verse says, I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. You came to church on Sunday. That's wonderful. And we put in what, about two hours plus or minus? That's two out of 168 hours per week. When those two hours are over, do I put my Bible <clears throat> in, the in the console of the car? Do I leave it here in Lost and Found and pick it up again? Is the Bible just the book? Or is the Bible in me and beaming by me? That's what Paul wanted Titus to do. To take those people from liars and beasts and lazy gluttons and become showpieces for God. Now, that was tough duty for Titus, but he took it on. So, we're going to do some contrasts and comparisons of Titus and Timothy. First, Timothy was a Jew. Titus was a Gentile. Timothy was circumcised by Paul. Titus, he, Timothy, uh, Paul insisted that he be uncircumcised. And the reason, when they went on these different missionary journeys... And, you know, city to city to city. What was the first place Paul would visit? The, 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 the temple or the synagogue, right? The synagogue. So who's inside the synagogue? The Jews. What do the Jews think about a Jew coming in who's not circumcised? Hmm, that's a problem. On the other hand, if a Gentile or a proselyte comes in, the Judaizers would like to see that person saved, uh, would like to see that person circumcised. But Paul's position, and we're going to see it shortly when, when Titus first appears in Scripture, Paul's, Paul's position was that, that circumcision thing was given to Abraham and that bloodline, and he talks about circumcision of the heart, not circumcision of the body. So Jew versus Gentile, circumcised versus uncircumcised, calls both of them son. I, Paul had an opportunity to lead both those guys to Christ and have both those guys grow. You know, it's one thing to father a child. Just, just a few minutes in the wrong position could father a child. It's a lifetime to be a dad. And Paul is referring to both of them as sons. And they're his, he was their dad. Timothy gets lots of press in Scripture, and Titus, not so much. So there's Paul's third missionary journey, and the reason that's up there is that's where we start to see Titus traveling, uh, I won't say traveling with Paul, but he, because you'll see what's happening. You're going to see where Titus is sent ahead, Titus is sent back, as opposed to Timothy, seems to be attached at the hip with Paul. So, the first time you hear about Titus is 
Well, there's, there, there's the Cretans. This is Pentecost. And it says, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our tongues the mighty works of God. So there's Pentecost, and the, the gospel is taken to Crete, whether that became a church or not. The gospel went to Crete. Then after 14 years, I, Paul, went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. Uh, this is in Galatians and not in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts around chapter 15, it mentions that Paul and Barnabas and others went to Jerusalem. And the point that, he was, that Paul was making when he went to Jerusalem, and it wasn't Peter that presided over the apostles, it was James that presided over the apostles. Paul was wanting to take t Titus to make the point that the Holy Spirit has come not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. So Titus became, quote-unquote, a specimen. Titus became an example of a Gentile person who has been taken up by the Holy Spirit. And Titus wasn't just an ordinary undercover Christian, because you're going to see the kind of labor that Titus gets involved with. So, this is Paul's third missionary journey, and you can see what's happening. Titus is being sent almost like uh, the special forces guys. They go behind enemy lines, as opposed to the army that's traveling together. Titus is being sent ahead. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. Titus went to Troas, and then he kept going. Titus was crazy. He was in love with the gospel. So he's sent again. He goes down to, to Corinth. I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? So first of all, in first and second, in those prior missionary journeys, Paul had gone to Corinth. What did he find at Corinth? We go back to the studies of first and second Corinthians. What was, what was Paul in so many of the chapters trying to, to deal with? Problems in the church. And in fact, one of those letters Titus carried with him down into Corinth, and it was the issue of trying to fix morality problems. And the good news is, Titus succeeded. So he was sent ahead a couple of times, and then he reports back. He, uh, Paul says, we rejoiced still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. And his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. Now, the Bible refers to our respect for God as with fear and trembling. And that's how those people received the rebuke. It was a rebuke of Titus. So Titus goes back up to Paul and he says, guess what? Mission accomplished. And when you read 2 Corinthians, you will see how Paul was so excited 
that the letter and Titus ministry was successful. And what they were dealing with was there was a man in Corinth who was having sex with his father's wife. Didn't say his mother, so we don't know if that meant stepmother or concubine or whatever. Whatever it was, it was not right. Because the Bible says even the Gentiles would talk about this problem. The Bible says to put him out so that Satan could destroy the body but and convince the paternal security and then take him back when things are cleaned up. Well, the man cleaned up his act and he was taken back and everybody was, was thrilled. Can you imagine how a church would rejoice if somebody went wayward and then came back truly repentant? I recall a story, this occurred many, many years ago, at Glen Baptist Church. A young lady got pregnant, no husband. She came before the church and she said, this is what I've done. I want to keep that baby. I want to do what's right. I want to clean up the act. Nobody knew this. She never knew this, this next guy, but there was a young man who was serving in the army in Germany that came back, fell in love with that girl, married, took care of that baby as his own. God blessed that repentance, and that church rejoiced. That's the kind of, when you see those words, rejoice and affection, that's the kind of experience that Titus had, and that's what he was reporting back to Paul. So Paul at Crete, you see all those lines up there? Those are all the, the crosses and back and forth of first, second, and third uh, missionary journeys of Paul. Up in that corner is chapter 27, of Acts, where that ship ends up being crashed. The Bible says that it came along on the southern side, the leeward side, of, away from the wind, and they landed at Fair Havens, and they, now the Bible's a little bit unclear there because Paul basically said, we've wasted so much time that we should stay there for safety. Now that doesn't mean they wasted so much time at that spot or the entire journey. If they wasted so much time at that spot, Paul very well could have been off the ship and doing some ministry and starting a church. So it's unclear where the Church of Crete really got its kickoff. We don't know since he was a prisoner if he had to stay on the ship. We don't know if he was a, pris if he was a prisoner, if he was sequestered on the shore. We know that he was he, he befriended the centurion, but we don't know that the centurion said, sure, Paul, go ahead out into the neighborhood and do your thing because I know you'll come back. We don't know. Never taught Paul's fourth missionary journey. Why not? The red square will give you a hint. Why did I not teach the fourth mission? Because there is no chapter 29 in, in Acts. The book of Acts ends with Paul going to Rome and going to prison because 
why was he going to Rome in the first place? He was arrested. Sure, he was arrested in Jerusalem. There was a, a plot against him, and so they took him down to, uh, I think, Caesarea. I can't recall anymore. And he was there for a couple of years, and he's there with Felix and Festus and Agrippa and Bernice. And they said, would you like to have a trial? We don't think you're going to be guilty. Would you like to have a trial? He says, no, I appeal to Caesar. And so Paul was told by Jesus many years before that he was going to Rome. He didn't know he was going as a prisoner. But that's where Acts chapter 28 ends, where he was taken to Rome and he was put into prison. Well, at that point, there are just a number of verses that talk about towns that were not in for a second or third missionary journey. There's a verse that says he intended to go to Spain. Whether he did or not, the Bible doesn't say. And so people have put together this route, and they've dubbed it the fourth missionary journey. And so you see, there's Crete, and you see where somebody said, well, he left Rome and went to Crete, and then he went to a bunch of other places. They just took different verses in Scripture and patched them together in some logical sequence of events. We don't know. We not only don't know, we don't know who went with Paul, but all we have is that verse inspired by the Holy Spirit that says, this is why I left you in Crete. We know he was on Crete in that ship from Israel to Rome, but there is no indication that Titus was on that ship. So it's all unclear, but we do know that Paul gave Titus the assignment of having Crete clean up the act. All those different trips, we now see him going to, to Crete, and then from Crete, he's sent to Dalmatia. This is 2 Timothy, and it's 2 Timothy chapter 4. So these are some of the very last words recorded by Paul. He says, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Semicolon. Well, there's no semicolon in Greek. But the point of the semicolon was that Crescens and Titus weren't bailing out because they were in love with the present world. They were going to deal with situations. Now, Galatia became a, an established church, so Crescens went, and he was there to help the church continue on. But Titus goes to Dalmatia, Dalmatia is actually off the map. It's up in Croatia and Serbia. And so Titus, having completed his assignment in Crete, decides, I'm not going to be just a, a pastor or a bishop of all these different towns because we said that he was left at Crete to appoint elders in every town. So that sounds like a bishop. That job was done, and now he wanted to be an evangelist. And that's the last we hear of Titus. He goes off to Dalmatia. So, here's an overview of Titus. And I put that in yellow because that's the backdrop. Liars, beasts, gluttons, lazy gluttons, all right? So in chapter one, we see Titus is supposed to take charge. Very different than Timothy. Timothy, and you know, it's interesting, God has not given us the spirit of fear 
Some translations use the word timidity, which I find interesting. Timothy, timidity. That's who Timothy was. He was sort of a shrinking violet, but useful to God nonetheless. Titus was more like a general pat. Go and, and do what he had to do. Okay? He was supposed to appoint elders and then deal with rebellious people. And we're going to see that rebellious people throughout the situation. Over in chapter 2, where he's talking about the young and the old and the leaders and the slaves, he comes down to the slaves and he says, first of all, King James uses the word purloining, pilfering. That's not grand theft. It's, 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 it's petty theft. It's the pile of paper clips at work shrinks while my pile of paper clips is growing at home. Those pencils, they have so many of them at work, I'm going to just take some home and protect them. That's what Paul is saying. And then he also says, and don't talk back. Now, talking back as children to parents, that's one thing, and it's got to be solved early or you'll regret it. Talking back then, it wasn't like, you know, I choose to work for McDonald's and I can just quit anytime I want. These were people that were owned by their masters. And the masters, if, if they didn't like you, Sean, they'd just say, too bad for you. They didn't have pistols, but bang, you're gone. And so Paul, through Titus, and Paul did this with, when he wrote to the Colossians, he wanted to establish the supervisor-subordinate relationship that was a good I'll use the word bargain. Bargain means like win-win, okay? And then when you come to the book of James, and we're going to cover it, I hope, at some point, the book of James, you have master and slave in church together. That makes them brothers or sisters, whatever the case might be, equals. And Paul Thompson covered partiality, but he didn't quite get into the master-slave thing. And I don't know as... as uh, as Pastor Tony takes over, if he's going to cover that thing. But there's a situation where I own you, but then come church time, we're brothers. Now, if I'm nice to you on the job, that's one thing. But if I'm not nice to you on the job, how are we going to worship together? That's going to be pretty tough on you, isn't it? You want to smack me across the side of my head. <laughs> John, listen to that preacher. He's talking to you. <laughs> What's worse than a bad hire? Not H-I-G-H-E-R, but hiring a person. What's worse than a bad hire? Getting rid of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how about that? So... He was sent to put order into the church. So and then you go into chapter 2. And in chapter 2, he's, he has a message for the old guys. He's got a message for the older women. He's got a message for the young guys. He's got a message for the young women. That's very practical stuff. We're going to get into that. Probably not today. But you know, earlier on I said 
Timothy got a lot of press and he was mentioned 24 times in Scripture. Titus got not so much. He was only mentioned 13 times in Scripture. But let's take, when we're talking about the older men, older women, younger men, younger women, one of the things that the older women was to teach the younger women was to love the family, not eros, not agape, but philos, be fond of your family, and maintain the house. Now, I filled out, I don't know how many applications of this or that, and there's the line that says employment and employer. Employment, sales, employer, Oracle, Jenny, homemaker. Now the world will look at that and say, you know, too bad for her. But let me tell you something. This year we'll be married 46 years. How long have you guys been married? Long time. 40. I'm six ahead of you. <laughs> she hasn't thrown me out yet. How many? 90? Oh. Now I understand. I'm saying, you look a day over. <laughs> the doctor said, you'll live to your 70. The guy says, I'm 72. He says, see, I told you. <laughs> I'm so thankful Jenny has maintained a house, a home for me. I'm so thankful she's maintained a home for my kids. She never worked a day outside the house. We use that phrase, okay? But she slaved inside the house. And the legacy of a woman like that could be far bigger than getting my name mentioned 24 times in the scripture. Far greater than the fine preacher or the scholarly teacher. And so Titus is there to teach common sense, take these people from liars and beasts and lazy gluttons, six pack of beer and a Philadelphia team, to be adorning the Word of God. That was his task. And then we come to chapter 3, and you see over there uh, a church of good, dot, dot, dot. A church of good order, and that's where the elders come into place. We want to have good elders in place so that they can help reinforce, and so that when Titus is off to Dalmatia, that those elders can continue that good order. A church of good doctrine. It's one thing to have good order, but if it's not in line with God's word. Now keep in mind that the doctrine wasn't there and the good deeds weren't there to be thrust into a spirit of legalism. That wasn't the point at all. Legalism is a cankerous disease. I've been there, I know. Legalism is an ugly, ugly thing that it's hard to get out from underneath. To take them from liars, beasts, and gluttons to get in their doctrine and order. And then over to chapter 3, a church of good deeds with a proper attitude. You see up there, attitude and conduct towards good and bad. The word Titus means pleasing. 
And so I borrowed a verse from 2 Timothy. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So Paul enlisted Titus, but Titus was God called. And I don't think the clock is going to cooperate us, but at some point we're going to pull together all of the qualifications of an elder from Timothy, from Titus, and from Peter. And I will tell you, there are 28 of them, and it breaks down to three. Integrity, firm in the word, and God called. If a man goes three for three, the Holy Spirit will take care of all the others. Integrity, firm in the word, and God called. So... Timothy didn't get entangled. If Paul said, go to Troas, he went. Paul said, Paul didn't even say, go to Corinth, and he went. And Paul said, come, to, come with me to Crete, and he went. And Paul was being beheaded, and Timothy went off, or Titus went off to, to Dalmatia. He was a soldier not entangled, and he pleased the Lord. And so what a great name for him, pleasing. He was both a comforter and a comfortee. You read that verse from 2 Corinthians, we're going to spend several uh, verses in 2 Corinthians because that's where Titus gets the most press. For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. So Paul, uh, Titus was a comforter but he was also a comfortee. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. How many times have you gone, maybe a visit to the sick, or maybe to take a meal, and you went to comfort somebody, you went to bless somebody, and when the experience was over, you say, well, I was the one who got the blessing. Before I was on blood thinners and it goes below 50 degrees and I'm frozen, I used to go on the Christmas carols. And we would bless some people, but I was the one who got the blessing. The best blessing I ever had, I was in a different church at a time. There was a lady, she lived on the west of Oxford. Her name was Hazel Osborne. I had the blessing to lead her to the Lord, but she was dying of cancer. And we went as a church and we sang for Hazel. Her husband's name was Raymond, and Raymond said, John, come on in. So I went in, and there was Hazel, no hair, a rack of bones. And she tried to sit up in bed, and she said, John, tell the church, thank you. And that night she died. You think I was blessed? Do you think the church was blessed? When we go through Titus 1 through 3, and the people accept the Titus teachings, do you think they were blessed as people in order that were living amongst liars and beasts and lazy gluttons? Do you think those people could see a difference, a change in their lives? That's who Titus was. Titus was the man who wanted to make those things happen. And we should be that same kind of person. So he was both comforter and comfortee. He was a partner and fellow worker. Again, 2 Corinthians 
Corinthians. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker. He wasn't my slave. What does partner mean? It doesn't say junior partner. It doesn't say he's on probation. It says my partner and fellow worker. How many small businesses do you see like uh, Jones and Son? In this case, it would be Paul and Sons. They were partners and fellow workers. I've got a handyman, and he's getting up in age, and his sons work with him, and I say to him, you know, you need to think about being an estimator because his back is shot, his arms are shot, his knees are shot. He said, oh, no, I work along with my sons, fellow workers. And that was Paul. Paul said, we're in this thing together. We're laborers together with Christ. He was a rebuker. Now, rebuker and comforter, how could they be in the same person? Well, let's take the job of being a parent. I've had many an opportunity to rebuke my kids, sad to say. But when the job is over, how wonderful is the reconciliation? How wonderful is it for a little kid to climb up and true? No, I'm sorry. But to come up and say, oh, Daddy, I'm sorry. So he was a rebuker, also 2 Corinthians. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. He's writing to the Corinthians. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. And I don't know if Titus opened the thing up and read it. I don't know if Titus was looking over Paul's shoulder as he wrote it. But I do know that he stayed to enforce it. So he was a rebuker. He was a happy guy. I asked the question last week, I think it was, was Jesus a happy guy? Yes. How do we know? In Matthew's gospel, he's teaching, and the apostles said, you kids get out of the way, he's teaching. What did Jesus say? Suffer the children, allow the children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. He was a, he was a person magnet. And children are the best for reading the magnet, okay? By all this, we are encouraged. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you. At one point, I taught a lesson, 10 ways to get rid of your pastor. I might bring that up next week because I brought it up today. And one of the things was, don't encourage him. Don't pray for him. Because he's going to become just, just miserable. So they encouraged Titus. They prayed for Titus. They responded to Titus. And that was encouraging to them. He was a happy man. Well, we're going to have to end on this one because it's 945. He was a lover. Now, I'm not talking Eros. He was both, both, both philos, fond, and agape, godly. And his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all as how you received him with fear and trembling. And then from 3 John, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You want to make your pastor happy? You want to encourage your, your pastor? 
let's walk in the truth. And let's not report coming. Pastor, I did a good job this week. I was walking in the truth. Those things will, they'll convey themselves. 